folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and our new sponsor, Symbol, the stock market for sports. You'll hear a little bit more in the show about that. Uh, before I get to my conversation with Paul Hodewanik, I want to throw this out there. If you leave a five-star review and a question, I will answer that question in a new segment that I'm going to be doing where I take your mailbag or Q&A type of questions and then just pick them out of the comment section and answer them. So leave a five-star review, leave a question, and I will answer it for you. All right, let's get into my conversation with Paul. Paul Hodwanek, formerly formerly known as Intern Paul, but now has bylines in the Pioneer Press all the time. What's going on, Paul? We're we're doing good. It's I'm looking out the window. It's some it's like nice out. It feels like it's like 60 degrees, but it's like 30 and it's not good for me because it's the end of February and the only thing I really want to do outside is golf, but there's still like five inches of snow on the ground. So I'm coping with the fact that I only have to do like indoor like practice swings and like try not to hit the ceiling with my club because I, I know I still can't go out and do that for like at least another month. So I'm, I'm processing that currently. I bought a net to put in the garage for just oh, yeah, such I have circumstance. One. Okay, yeah, that did the same thing. And yep. I can't, with the the size of the garage, quite do a full driver swing, but I can <laughs> definitely practice all the chipping that I will still be bad at once I get out on the golf course. But I'm I'm having the same feelings walking the dog when you go from minus 10 to 34, it all of a sudden feels like, wait, why are we, why are we not on the course yet? What is going on here? And also, um, feels like I should be in Indianapolis, Paul, because normally I would be. This would be the day where I'd be out at uh, the NFL Combine. And I will just quickly, before we get into our questions for each other, I will just tell you about what it is like to cover the NFL Combine. So there are two big things that happen at the Combine. One is when Rick Spielman talks. Two is when Mike Zimmer talks. And we have usually these side sessions with them. And my understanding is we're going to have Zoom calls with them. It's not the same. And usually these are epic. They go 20 minutes or something like that or even more. And we kind of clear out the notebook with Zimmer and Spielman. And a lot of times Mike Zimmer is in much more of a chilled type of relaxed uh, feeling, I guess, or situation. And when we're asking him stuff, oftentimes we get a lot of really interesting information from him, whether it's 
how he feels about certain trends around the league, how he feels about positional value, which he mentioned last year um, that maybe he didn't see safety as a position they wanted to long-term spend a bunch of money on. Sometimes things come out that are very surprising, like the time he said that Sam Bradford's knee had a degenerative issue and his seemed like his career was going to be over. There was also the time where he uh, talked about why he didn't let Kevin Stefanski out of his contract. So generally is a time to get a lot of very, very uh, insightful information from Mike Zimmer and not just on like juicy nuggets, but also he's much more willing to kind of just like hang out and talk ball a little bit. And I'm going to miss that this year. And then the rest of the time. So those are the two big things. The rest of the time, there's just players going to podiums all over the place. And it's just like, this guy's at the podium, that guy's at the podium, this guy. And um, you can just kind of hang out and see who you can talk to. And then other than that, who can you run into in Indy? Where can you eat are the big questions. And one of the things I did last year was I just went with Bobby Peters, who's uh, he's been on the show before, and we sat in a lobby and just hung out and waited till people came through and talked, talked to people, ran into people. Uh, Sage Rosenfels and I hung out just at one of the hotels and bumped into people and talked about a bunch of different stuff, and you just end up getting – all sorts of little nuggets of information. And Sage ended up in a restaurant at 2 a.m. with Archie Manning somehow. <laughs> like there was all sorts of things going on. So I, 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 have, a, I have a question off this. Yeah. Because yeah. the combine to me, as in someone who wants to get into sports journalism, so follows just a ton of football guys on Twitter, and the combine along with like the Senior Bowl and the Super Bowl feel like the meccas for like sport football reporter like kind of vacation work slash combo where they're doing some work but it's just a time to like catch up and do really like football-y things with their like other football writer friends so if you were to rank the I mean I don't know if you've been to the senior bowl obviously the super bowl was here but just ranking in terms of like the football writers like dream little vacation weekend is it where 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 do you rank those three because those seem to be kind of the the pinnacle of when when everyone gets to travel not just for a weekend game it's like it's like an amazing feeling yeah i think the super bowl is much more like doing the radio row thing much more of you do kind of a little bit of work at the super bowl and then the rest is up to you whatever you want to do <laughs> with the combine it's a lot more work i mean you end up in these places in these hotels and and restaurants and everything else trying to run into people and trying to find out everything you could find out or just you know catching up with people you haven't seen for a while or being like hey that's doug williams over there or something like that 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 happened to me i was in a restaurant and doug williams came and sat down next to me I'm like wow a legend um but yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done at the NFL Combine. I mean, last year we were doing Sage and I was were doing shows where we would have to record stuff and send it back, and then record and send it back, and then and there's a lot of writing to be done off of these long press conferences, and there's a lot of news that comes out because all the insiders are there. So you're trying to track all the different things that are going on. So that one is yeah, there's a little bit of free time, and there's a couple of really cool restaurants there, and you're. But even when you're when you're kind of wandering around and running into people, you're still sort of working like, because, it, you know, you're having conversations and things like that and trying to kind of fill up the notebook in your head of what can I find out? I found out the funniest little nugget last year um, that 
<laughs> from a special teams coach. I asked a special teams coach that I had never met before and just met for the first time. I was like, what do you think of that XFL kickoff? They're like, oh, and he was like, well, we were actually discussing that in some of our special teams meetings over whether the NFL would want it. And I was like, breaking news, like, I guess. <laughs> um, so there were, there were a lot of different things, but it, it doesn't feel like you're really, and I'm not a kick my heels up kind of guy or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like stay out till two in the morning and, and party or whatever when I do these things, but the Super Bowl was much more when it was in Min- Minnesota. It's like, go over there, do the show. And that's kind of it. And then you can, you know, do whatever you want. So I have not been to the senior bowl. Um, at any point. I, I don't really know what that one's like, but anyway, I'm missing it. I'm missing it quite mm-hmm. a bit. And just even talking about guys' hand sizes and yes. how many bench reps they have and, oh man, this guy's going today. Uh, you don't go inside and watch the things that are going on, by the way, as a reporter. That's another one of the weird things is that everything that's happening, <laughs> you're just like on the outside watching on NFL Network like everyone else. The key is to be interviewing some of the prospects that might have interest. And there are things that are just hilarious and drive you crazy. Like there's always one reporter who's like, did you talk to the Browns? And you're like, man, who cares? You know, like the, just, it'll be like some, you know, potential fourth round safety. Hey, uh, you know, did you meet with the Browns yet here in Indy? So like, come on, bro. Come on. There's 32 teams. We only got 11 minutes with the guy or whatever. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, I'm missing it, and I'll look forward, hopefully, to sort of whatever versions of breaking combine news we can get this week. So let's get into some of our questions, um, and I'll stop waxing poetic about Indianapolis. Great city, though. Um, I have combine questions at some point. Well, so. why, don't we, why don't we start there, then? Why don't we start with your combine question? Well, if you're in the nostalgia of the combine, it's one of my favorite events of the year, just like sitting on my couch and watching them run 40 times. I don't know why I enjoy it so much. I know, I know roughly like a third of them based on like the like top 50 big board that I've looked at and like the names that make sense. But then you're getting like a Florida Atlantic corner that runs a four, three and you're like, Oh, okay. So maybe in the fifth round, round, I I remember he ran fast. So like, this is now my, my favorite fifth round prospect. So I compiled a few, Vikings combine performances. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but okay. I'm just going to give you like their 40 time, their bench, their vertical leap. And then I want you to tell me if you know who, who it is. Okay. I love this game. Okay. So this person ran a four, six, seven, 40, uh, 7.133 cone and did 22 reps of the bench. Who am I? Okay, so four six seven probably puts you in the either tight end or linebacker range. So I'm gonna guess that that might be Anthony Barr, linebacker. It is not. It is Alexander Madison. Oh, Alexander Madison, four six, kind four, of a six, bruiser. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That was only in the 25th percentile. This is a really invigorating game, but I, I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> next. Uh, Four five seven forty, and a seven second three cone, and then a tw- twenty five reps on the bench. So very similar to Alexander Madison. Okay, four seven though. No four four five seven. Oh four five seven so four quicker five, than Alexander Madison. Quicker than Alexander Madison. Hmm. Can I get a Can I get a a height? <laughs> uh, that well now that, will that now give it away? Gonna, 
it might give it away. This is my like this is kind of crazy that he ran a four five seven. Just athletic. Hmm. Is this uh is this Irv Smith? This is Daniil Hunter. Daniil oh, Hunter. Yeah. Four okay. five seven. Okay. So the one so, thing with the with the when you mentioned the three cones, I just like don't understand what a good I three cone is. Okay. Idea. Give me the percentile a, on the three cone. <laughs> three cone he was in like the eighty third percentile yeah. or something. The 40-yard dash, he's in the 98th percentile. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that was going to be my one to stump you. And then finally, we'll just end it here um, because this is probably drawn out too long. 40-yard <laughs> um, dash, 5.38. Vertical leap, 28 inches, 19 reps on the bench. 5.38? 5.38, but only 19 reps on the bench. Still on the Vikings. Still on the Vikings. Five three eight. Um, Blake Brandle. That this would be Jaleel Johnson. Jaleel Johnson. Okay. Yeah. So I, he can add this to his bill, billboard material, but <laughs> he is in the sixth percentile of forty yard dash, tenth tenth percentile of the the bench press. So I, this one, I was just like, there are justifications for taking players, and I'm I'm still not. It's a fourth round pick. You never know, but like. He played a lot of the year, and he was never one of these combine guys that just, like, that's where usually you're taking these fourth-round guys mm-hmm. is, like, the combine did him well. He was in the bottom of pretty much every statistic I looked at. So it was just funny to go back and think, oh, at one point we did think this guy was going to be the in, the in fu- maybe the future of the interior uh, defensive line, and now, you know. He was one of those they, – they do either one or the other. It's either your combine freak and then they pick you – or if you have a lot of production and play for like a gritty school. And if you play for a Big Ten school, Afadi Adenabo playing for Northwestern, or if it's, you know, Iowa, they love, they have to pick at least one Iowa player, even if it's Nate Stanley. Um, yeah, that one was always kind of an odd pick. And their defensive lineman selections, if we just go through them, I'm always a believer in randomness with the draft. But if we just look at some of their defensive line selections in the middle rounds you kind of go what what was going on there I mean the seventh rounders fine they just take guys who have good combines and hope I mean the likelihood that a seventh rounder becomes even Stephen Weatherly is pretty low and that was a good one he turned out to be a decent player and maybe they can get him to come back uh, because Carolina let him go but when you look at the, the fourth rounders you get Jaleel Johnson like you said the combine should have been red flags all over the place and Jalen Holmes didn't produce anything in terms of sacks for Ohio State. DJ Wanham didn't produce anything in terms of sacks for Ohio State. There's just been some selections in those rounds where you go, what was exactly the thinking here? Did you like the guy's personality? I don't know. I don't know. That's an odd one. Um, I'm going to start with you um, on the Vikings' needs here because there are a lot as we go into – the season where things will start to happen. Players will get released. Uh, we'll have a better understanding who the free agents really are. Um, there's lots of lists out there of, you know, top 100 free agents and all those things. Well, those are going to change because there will be cap casualties and re-signings and everything else. Um, so let's say the Vikings needs are two defensive linemen, a safety, a corner, a wide receiver, and at least one offensive lineman. If you have to fill all of those but one, which one would you fill? 
Or is that it? Is that all there? Is that all they need? Yeah, is that, in, in I, mean, I mean, it, ooh. right, right. I mean, <laughs> this is the this is the thing about this off season. There's a lot to do, and there's not a lot of money to do it with. And I'm just gonna circle back and snark quickly. This is why we talk about the cousins thing. So, but that's it. Those yeah, are okay. all. Those are all the so, needs. Which one would you leave off? And so by leave off, that means we're not drafting anyone. We're not signing anyone. We're just taken with what we got. Yep. You're not drafting anyone within the first three rounds. Because usually first three rounds, those are guys who could potentially play. But after that, it's all development projects or free agency. Let's not even count like a Tajay Sharp signing. Let's let's say if it's – it's got to be above a million dollars to be a a signing to count. Okay. So in my head – I, it's not going to be the D-line. I think they need to address the D-line in the draft, in free agency, in some way. Like, they were in the on the in the bottom of the league in that. We all know that. And it just – they just can't continue with what they had. The depth was not there. Like, you're assuming Daniil Hunter comes back. You're assuming Michael Pierce comes back to, like, full health and, and full play from what they had last season and the last time we saw either of them. But I, you just can't rely on the unit that you have, especially with – the Jaleel Johnsons, the Jalen Holmes, the Hercules Matafas, like those, you, you can't do that. So it's not going to be the D-line for me. It's not going to be the offensive line for me either. They need to do something there. We can't have a Drew Samia situation happening again. That has to be addressed. Now you're getting into the wide receiver, the safety, the cornerback thing. I'm a proponent of getting another wide receiver, so I'm not going to go there either. My head immediately went to, I don't know if you need to address the cornerbacks. Like if we're doing this exercise, if – Anthony Harris is is leaving, um, and he's not coming back, which I think is all is the assumption everyone's under. There's going to be an open safety spot, and I'm just not super confident with saying, okay, Josh Metellus, the reins are yours. Like, take it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say you'd leave off corner because in this scenario, then you would be getting a safety somewhere who you think can play alongside Harrison Smith. You're saying, okay, we now have a little bit of probably a safety blanket if you're Signing someone who you think can start or you're drafting someone who you think could start alongside Harrison Smith, you're thinking you have that safety blanket, and then I'll bet on the progress made by Cameron Dantzler, by Jeff Gladney. Just hope and pray for Mike Hughes, maybe. Just like the, that's that's where I would be. Um, obviously, I'd want them to address all of these, but it might just not be possible. And so I'm choosing that because that's the one established area where I think they could get by. I guess you could say wide receivers, that other one. But after Thielen and Jefferson, like it's well documented, they it's there's like not another NFL guy behind them really. So I think you need to at least address depth there. Um, assuming one of them's going to miss a game or two, because that just kind of is probably how it's going to be in the NFL. Like you're probably going to miss a wide receiver for a game or two. You're going to need someone, and that someone can't just can't be Alexander Hollins or Tajay Sharp or something like that. Hey folks, I want to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Symbol. Symbol is a sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams just like stocks. Except for it's not as complicated as the stock market. It works like this. When your team wins, you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited. Symbol allows you to invest in your team with more than just your heart. 
So as we get into the team's big offseason moves, you can get in now and then follow your team's stock and earn big when they win. If you're like me and you closely track all the trends across football in the offseason and you know where each team is headed, Symbol is for you. And if you only focus on your team and believe they're headed in the right direction, now is the time to get in. Of course, it doesn't just apply to football. We've got basketball headed down the stretch, baseball ready to begin. You can invest in your teams there. Just go to symbol.app, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P, or you can follow them on Twitter at Symbol Exchange. And be sure to use the promo code PURPLE for a $10 deposit bonus. Hey everyone, we're in the full swing of winter now and SodaStick has you covered. If you're a hockey fan, check out the North State Icon shirts or the Mick Golden Light snowmobile designs. All of these along with great football designs like the skull hats, football state beanies and hoodies, and my favorite, the Metrodome gear. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping. Just go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Well, I can't believe you left off Miles Dorn from your safety oh, analysis. Big mistake. Um, a guy who briefly flashed in uh, training camp last year and then I think got hurt and we never saw him. I will actually pick safety here, which sounds funny because in the uh, draft sim that Courtney and I did just the other day, I picked a safety in the first round. But when it comes to all these different needs and we're trying to say, well, which is the one that they could replace in-house without doing a ton of damage? So they don't have a guy right off the top of my head. Uh, you mentioned Josh Metellus, Miles Dorn. I don't think there's another one uh, on the roster who's a safety that could play back there. But here's my thought is if you have an open competition between a couple of guys who have played – uh, maybe even you, you say to someone like Chris Boyd or Harrison Hand, try back there. Um, I think that that is a position that can be a little more covered up, and history tells us that you can develop somebody there like Andrew Sandejo, like Anthony Harris. Neither one of those guys were draft picks, and they play alongside Harrison Smith, so you can simplify the job and say, all right, all you have to do is kind of this, just play the deep safety role or whatever you need from that spot because Harrison Smith is going to be doing so much more. Can you paint over that? Probably. I think we found last year that you cannot paint over corner. You can't just be like, hey, Chris Jones, who are you? Why don't you just come in here and play and give up 131 quarterback rating, which is what Chris Jones gave up and had one of the worst um, Olay attempts at a tackle that I have ever seen when Tony Pollard ran for a touchdown. I mean, that's the thing the, the drop off from your average to your bad corner and how much it impacts your defense is humongous. I'm not sure that the drop-off from a good safety like Anthony Harris to a guy who's just trying to figure it out that position is insane. I think it's insane from an average corner. And, and, and I feel the same way about Mike Hughes. Like, do you want to really roll the dice that Mike Hughes can actually play a full season? It just doesn't seem likely since he's been in the league for three years and hasn't even played as many snaps as Jeff Gladney. Yeah, and – Harkening back to what you said about Mike Zimmer at the Combine last year, and he's saying we're not prioritizing safety 
that would probably shift maybe the likelihood. Like this is what we're looking at. Maybe the likelihood is probably closer to your scenario where they don't they they prioritize cornerback. Uh, you know, Zimmer finds his lanky guy that he likes in the draft, or another uh, another Trey Wayne's a really speedster guy, or something. The combine may have influenced him there. So maybe we can't. Maybe he doesn't fall in love with a cornerback because of it. But I would say if we're trying to deem what's the most likely, I feel like it's probably safety. Or, I mean, the narrative around from the media and from the organization is we want another wide receiver. Do you sense that that's what is going to happen? Because I think that's kind of the thing they've always neglected. So if I'm looking Mm -hmm. at this, that seems like one that they say, well, we have Thielen, we have Jefferson, we always love Chad Beebe, um, and we, we like some of these other options. Like, does that feel like the one that maybe they're most likely to just ignore? I think that that's right. I think wide receiver probably is. The only thing I'd say there is they looked at Irv Smith as sort of a wide receiver three last year, and that was it's a little bit dubious because you can't have the deep threat for a tight end, even if he is a guy that can somewhat go down the field like Irv Smith. It's not the same as having someone who runs a 4-4 or 4-3 who can take a top off the defense or be a playmaker or something like that. It's a little different. But if they lose Kyle Rudolph, I do think it will be a priority to find another wide receiver that they can fit in there. Still, history tells us that it's just not a position that they have put a whole lot of priority into. I just think that this offseason is the offseason to change what you prioritize a little, prioritize a guard, prioritize wide receiver three, because those are the things that have really hurt you in the past. So maybe try something different when it comes to those. But if you were, if this was uh, put in Vegas odds, I think wide receiver ends up at the very top um, of that. So let me um, ask you another question. what free agency visit or signing or anything of the like, do you remember being like, whoa, this could be huge or this is a really big deal? And then it just, you know, turned out to be almost nothing. I'll give you mine and you can think of yours. Mine is Eddie Lacy visiting here. Like Eddie Lacy was good for the Packers for a number of years, just this you know mound of a human being. And the Vikings are looking for running backs because Adrian Peterson is uh, gone. This was before the 2017 season. They end up signing Latavius Murray. But I think Eddie Lacy came here for a visit and someone met him at the airport and interviewed him at the airport on his way out about potentially signing with the Vikings. And I don't even know what happened after that. Like, where did Eddie Lacy go? What, like, who did he play for? I have no recollection of what happened after Eddie Lacy was a free agent. Did he just interview with teams and then retire? I, I mean, I, I don't have this information. I'm going to have to look up, like, where did he even sign that year? He did nothing else in his career, and it would have been a disaster signing had the Vikings signed him. His last season was 2017, and he played for Seattle, and he ran for 2.6 yards per carry <laughs> and played nine games. It would have been a disaster signing. We were all like, oh, Eddie Lacy's got great numbers. He'd be great, to, you know. So that's that's mine. I love the Eddie Lacy almost signed here thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm like racking my brain to try to remember. I remember there was a safety that was like on the on the board that the Vikings could have signed before Anthony Harris came available. It might have, it honestly might've been draft. I feel like I always was like, Oh, I want like Von Bell or like, (laughs) or there'd be some like random slot corner that I would watch um, in like the NFL free agent, like special on ESPN. Oh yeah. An hour before they're going to go through the top 
the top free agents. And I'm saying, well, that would be a Vikings fit. And like, I remember them signing Everson Griffin and not liking it. I remember them signing Latavius Murray and not liking it. Both those worked out pretty well for them. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of back to misses or just random names. It's just, there's just so many of them. They're, the the random backup running backs has to be one of the things. And the Eddie Lacy one's great because he just like disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, and you're just like, what? Or like Trent Richardson. I remember him signing with like the Colts and it was like, okay, or he got traded to the Colts and it was like, okay, Trent Richardson. And then a year later, he's not in the league anymore. So I think, yeah, free agency is just a fun thing because we, and it's the same thing with the draft. We get our minds set on a guy and they just go, they go to a different team and we think it's a, a grave mistake that the Vikings didn't get them. And then in three years, they're out of the league and you don't even remember who they are, what they're doing. Um, I know before, before we started the show, you were talking about Russell Okung. I rem- I do remember that one in terms of the, we need to sign an offensive lineman. Let's just sign Riley Reef to a big contract. Uh, that one probably turned out to be good as well. I, I remember not liking it. So I don't have a history of liking the Vikings free agent picks and then the ones that actually turn out, out to be good. I, I guess I don't like those. And probably that teaches me that I know a lot less about football than they do. <laughs> and so they probably understand why they wanted to draft Latavia or they, why they wanted to sign Latavius Murray or Riley Reef and, and anything like that. Or you could say that you know, sometimes it's just how the ball bounces, whether a move turns out or not, that you know, it just as easily could have blown up in their face that they signed Riley Reef. Uh, instead, Okung kind of blew up in his team's face. And remember, this is the team, I'll give you another one, they offered Matt Khalil a big deal that year. They wanted to re-sign and keep Matt Khalil, who was out of the league a couple of years later, and that would have been horrendous. Like, Riley Reef has turned out to be a good player for this team. I mean, good everything, like good representative of the franchise, good in the locker room, you know, all those sorts of things. Just like the ideal citizen at left tackle. And he only ever really gets wrecked when he goes against someone like Khalil Mack, and of course most people do. If they had signed Matt Khalil, they – Honestly, they probably don't go to the NFC Championship. I mean, if they if they had such a mess at left tackle, they probably don't get there because Reef was Reef was solid. I mean, how crazy is that? So you never know. It's not I, just I, you. I it's remember, the team as well. I remember when the Vikings signed Mike Remmers, and I remember like looking at the tweet. Maybe it was Chris Thomason or Ben Gessling or something, and so, like the Panthers fans has like had like invaded the comments, and they were like, "Good riddance!" Like we. We are so glad you're – and so I remember thinking, oh, you know, Remmers will be good. Like, he, he was all right. Like, it'll be better here. And then you just go in the comment section and it gets ripped. And I remember that happening with the Khalil signing. They – like, someone announced the Khalil signing, and then all these Vikings Twitter avatars came in, and they were like, good riddance. And right. so sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't with those two offensive linemen. It, it definitely did. Yes, it definitely did. And uh, I also think about the signings that didn't happen that would have made them better. Like they wanted, I think Roger Saffold was a report. That didn't happen. Uh, Remember the Richie Incognito drama where Richie Incognito said in an interview that the Vikings wanted him, but then it turned out that it was just a vague comment from Tony Sperano. And then he called Mike Zimmer a liar and then played great for the Raiders. That's the best part. That is the biggest kicker of the story is if he was the Vikings left guard, if they had just said, yeah, Richie, come on over. We know that you've got some issues, but like, give it a try. (laughs) 
How much better are they with this monster pass blocking at left guard instead of Tom Compton and Pat Elfline and Dakota Dozier? So, all right, on to your next question. Well, I want you to ask me your Russell Wilson question because then I have one to follow up with it. So okay. I know you have a Russell Wilson's Bears thing. Yes. I want so Russell Wilson, I'm sure, you know, people have seen it by now, but his agent released teams that he would go to, which is such a weird thing to do. Um and I saw and it was like know, he's he doesn't want to leave. But if he leaves he goes to. these are the teams he, he's going to. And then it was like he stormed out of an offensive meeting, like I ugh. Yeah, my wife and I have this all the time with dinner where it's like um, I would rather stay at home and eat here and cook, but here's a list of the restaurants that I might go to (laughs) if you decided that we would, you know, go out to eat instead. And uh, usually we end up going out to eat instead. So maybe that means that Russell Wilson will get traded. Uh, But the Bears are on his list. Super weird. Very surprised to see the Bears on his list. I want to know if Russell Wilson somehow ended up with the Bears, when is the next time the Vikings win the NFC North? If Russell Wilson goes to the Bears. Okay, so I was doing this calculus in my head. I think their best opportunity might be this year, um, this upcoming year. Um, because, again, I don't know why Russell Wilson wants to go to the Bears particularly. The situation in every single aspect looks worse. You don't have any wide receiver that's – like similar to DK Metcalf or even Tyler Lockett there, you have an equally bad offensive line. You have a bad, what we think to be a bad coach and GM in the bears. So he's going to the bears. He's obviously going to elevate them, but I would think this first year they don't have, they don't have any cap space right now. They're capped out anyways. They're bringing on his contract. I, I don't know how they get off that. They're an older team. I don't see them as the biggest threat to them this year. So then it's okay. Are the Vikings better than the Packers? And I would say no, but I would say that's probably a good shot. But then after that, I would assume if Russell Wilson was there and they don't do well in this first year, then maybe they're getting a new coach. They're reassigning some assets. Some big contracts come off the books. uh, And then it extends out. And then you have Russell Wilson in his prime with the Bears. And the Vikings already can't beat the Bears in Soldier Field with horrible quarterbacks going against them. I'm going to chalk up Russell Wilson – at minimum getting one game a year against the Vikings for the next eight years because they're not winning at Soldier Field and the Vikings are not good against (laughs) Russell Wilson. So that suddenly becomes a matchup where you're very likely looking at potentially 0-2. And then it's like just as Aaron Rodgers might be leaving, Russell Wilson's getting phased in. Like this is not a great spot for the Vikings. So I was looking at – I would think it would be post-Kirk Cousins is if the – Vikings were to contend again, and that's then you're thinking a younger quarterback. And so it's hard to forecast that out, but I'll just say like 2025. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. If Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are in the division for the next several years at least, I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to get it worked out and they'll just trade Jordan Love and they'll continue to be at least highly competitive, if not very good, for the next few years. And going into next year, you're going to project the Packers at the top of the division just based on they have the MVP quarterback and he looks like he could still play. So if Wilson ends up in the division, even if his team is not super great, they're also not super bad either. I think they actually do have a decent head coach who got all the blood out of the stone when it comes to Mitch Trubisky that he possibly could. And on the defensive side, still some talent there to work around. 
they would need some weapons. But as we saw from Tampa Bay, receivers start showing up when you have a great quarterback. All of a sudden, they, you know, Antonio Brown says, I'll behave for a while. Get me a Super Bowl ring. And I think that the same thing would happen in Chicago. And it would be I, – I think that actually it might influence the Vikings to say – now is the time to move on from Cousins because the only way that we're going to beat these guys, and this was sort of the feeling actually when Mike Zimmer was hired, the only way to beat Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers was going to be through defense. And they might think that way again is the only way is if we're able to invest everything we can in defense because who beat Russell Wilson this year, the number one defense in the NFL in the Rams they might look at it that way and then, you know, also try to look yeah. for a drafted quarterback or something like that. But that, that was going to be my follow-up. That was going to be my follow-up yeah. is if he got, if he went to the Bears, should that change the Vikings' plans? I mean, I don't think necessarily, but I think it, it, it maybe would. I, I mean, their plans should be to play this out with Cousins and then move on to the next thing. Unless Cousins next year takes them to 12 and four in the NFC Championship game or something like that, but if if it's a similar year to even 2019 where they go 10 and six or nine and seven or eight and eight, then I think with his cap situation and a big sample of seeing good play, but maybe not quite enough or not able to build the roster around him enough then you start looking for what's going to be our future anyway. I, I don't think it should necessarily be influenced by who is in the division. On the other side of that, though, if Aaron Rodgers were to, I don't know, retire next year, you might feel like having Kirk Cousins helps you in some ways by having quarterback stability and building around your quarterback through the draft and knowing that you have one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC just to start with, with Cousins. So maybe it would. Maybe it would uh, be an influencing factor. I, I don't know that I would have it that way, but I think for them, maybe it would. I, I still see Russell Wilson to the Bears as an extreme long shot, but Cordero Patterson tweeted – at Russell Wilson with a picture of those two hanging out. So, man, you never know. You never know. I, I don't know. I know. What, what do you think? Do you think that it would actually influence their decision if Wilson came to Chicago? Uh, I think it should go into the calculus that they that they look to, like, what they think about. Um, because my my perception of this team currently in, the, in moving forward in the next years – was based upon the fact that the Bears were probably going to have to replace Mitch Trubisky with a younger quarterback or another mid-level guy. And then I saw the NFC as having kind of this an open race. And so then you're, you're betting against Tom Brady getting old, which I don't know if you should be doing, but at some <laughs> yeah. point might happen. You're betting the same thing against Aaron Rodgers. And you just need to be the team that is ready the one year that those guys falter, even if it's an injury. It, like, Put yourself in a position where if one thing happens, like you're close to up there, like you're up there. And right. so I guess Russell Wilson at, in Seattle is still a roadblock for you to potentially get to a Super Bowl, but not in terms of getting into the playoffs, getting a good seed, potentially getting games at home, which would obviously be important and not going to Seattle. So I think it, I think it should um, because if he goes there, are you going to be content with having like easily the third worst quarterback there and not a very good defense? Like I, it, it has to change. I think it, yeah. it would have to only because like we, you see in that division, 
like the Cardinals right away had to punt on Josh Rosen. They had the number one pick. They said this division has Russell Wilson. At that point, it had Jared Goff, I think, coming off of Super Bowl. So you're thinking he's going to be good. And you're thinking we got to compete with this. And so I think the Vikings, if they're just going to con- going to continue to do what they're doing and play this little rebuild, not rebuild thing, like I don't think it would work if Russell Wilson comes into the division. But what a, what a, what a week it's been at the start of the week. We're thinking, oh, Sam Darnold to the Bears. <laughs> right, right. And now we're thinking Russell, oh, Russell Wilson. Wilson. I think we <laughs> – it's That's been fine. quite the spectrum for Vikings fans because I think they were ready for Sam Darnold to come to the division. I think it would be a nightmare scenario if Russell Wilson came to the division. <laughs> hey, everyone. I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your own show pushed out on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get this all for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today to apply Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. You know, I it is, um, I mean, that's the off season for you, rumor season. Um, but you're right. It, it would be, if Sam Darnold goes there, I think maybe not quite a parade in Minnesota, but you would go like, good, that's fine. They just found another guy who can't play. Good luck with your next Rick Meyer. That'll work for you. Um, but if Russell Wilson goes there, that's their best quarterback of all time, not named Sid Luckman, I guess. Um, question for you, Paul. NFC teams, I want you to rank the teams that are in the best position, like power rank, if you will. That's what we do in football. Teams that are in the best position heading into free agency slash the draft and worst teams in the NFC okay. heading into free agency in the draft. Okay, so I wanted a little clarity on this. Is it like is it through the scope of free agency in the draft and just like fun off season moves they can make, or is it like just or are we taking into consideration what they could do then and how it could matter for like playoff success and things like that? Where where is my measuring stick? 
I think maybe the team that could help themselves the most, the NFC teams that, that can and cannot help themselves the most over the next six weeks or so. I think when you go through the cap situation of all the teams, um, all of them are kind of on the um, AFC side, like the top, the biggest ones are all on the other other side. And so there aren't that many, like, like no one has $80 million like the, the, Jag, the Jags do. Like the top team is Carolina with 37. Washington has like around like 40 or something like that. The team I look at, and this is kind of scary, is Tampa's in a good situation with where they're at in free in terms of free agent money. And I was listening to the podcast uh, you did with Brad, uh, PFF Brad, about the salary cap and the way that things are going to kind of shift in terms of, you know, you're, you're probably going to get some good players that are just going to take a one-year prove-it deal that want to see what's out there the next year when maybe the mm-hmm. market rebounds. Yep. And the Bucks are kind of in a situation where you have Tom Brady, you're coming off a Super Bowl, you have Bruce Arians, and there could be some real – opportunities to get some of these guys that, okay, I'm not getting the big deal that I want. Let's take a Sheldon Richardson deal. Let's take an even less deal just because I'm a little older. I had a down season like AJ Green or T.Y. Hilton or any of those guys that you're like, okay, they're trying to prove that they can rebound. That seems like the perfect situation that you could go. I don't know how much it would dramatically improve their team because they're all already really good. But that that seems like one of the teams that I would be really excited to be because you know they're going to draft well uh, wherever they are. You know they're going to be an attractive spot for free agents. And so I'd be I'd be worried about them. Another team I'd be worried about, 49ers have a decent amount of cap space. Yep. They have a top six pick or something like that. They could make moves in terms of what their quarterback's going to be. They could do a whole host of different things. So if I was a 49ers fan, I'd be excited about this offseason just with the possibilities that they can have. And then with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, you have to feel good about whoever you draft, whoever you put on your team schematically to get the best out of them. They, I mean, they draft Brandon Ayuk. He was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. He suddenly turned into a great, a really solid wide receiver for them last year. I see them as a team with the injuries they have coming back. They're going to get healthier. They have some cap space. That seems like a team that you'd go to. And then I'd say Atlanta just for that fourth pick uh, to possibly take Justin Fields to do something dramatic with that if you're going to trade it you could trade Matt Ryan you could do a lot of different things there to help bulk up your team um so those were kind of the teams I looked at in terms of top teams I mean you could say Carolina could improve a lot you could say Washington can improve but both of them don't have their quarterback and so I want to be optimistic about the cap space that they have but like I'd, I'd like Washington they have a good defense they have it seems like a good structure but if they're going to sign Marcus Mariota or Cam Newton, like none of those are inspiring moves to me. So I don't know. What did you think in terms of your top teams? Well, um, slight correction. San Francisco has the 12th pick is where they're 12th pick. But they Sorry. can move up and potentially take, you know, a special receiver. Well, I mean, there's going to be, I think, a, a special receiver on the board even when they're there, or they can do a lot of other things because they have a strong enough roster to go 6-10 and 10, largely with Nick Mullins, which means to me, and they had a ton of injuries last year, which says to me that they are a bounce-back candidate. And like you said, they have some cap space. 
to work with. They are, in my mind, one of the most dangerous teams to look at because they can you know, draft an instant impact player, bring back a roster that just two years ago was in the Super Bowl, and then if Jimmy Garoppolo could stay healthy, which is a big if, they can you know, be right at the back at the top of that division. I'm also not convinced that Matt Stafford is going to change things massively for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I was looking at Washington as the team you'd want to be for this offseason because they just have so many different directions that they can go. They can get a bridge quarterback. They could trade up and draft a quarterback. Most of the pieces of that team are actually in place. So if there was somebody that was going to trade up to whatever from 20th to 8th to take Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whomever, they could be the team that could do that and then sign someone like Cam Newton or Ryan Fitzpatrick as a bridge quarterback. They are in a position also to add even more to their roster. If they need another defensive player, if they need another offensive lineman, they definitely need another wide receiver. They might sign two. And if they sign two wide receivers and Cam Newton and trade up in the draft, like they could all of a sudden go from, hey, 7-19 and with Taylor Heineke, LOL, to – oh, wow, they are an actual competitor right now. And I think that's an interesting place to be. With uh, Carolina, I just don't trust them. Like, I don't trust their organization right now. But on the surface, with the eighth overall pick and a lot of cap space, I think that you would want to be Carolina. I just don't think that the people running Carolina are good at what they do. We'll, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the teams that you don't want to be are the Eagles and Saints. I mean, that that one is, to me, that's easy. Like, it's far and away the Eagles and Saints. The Eagles just traded their quarterback and their $43 million over the cap. And the Saints did an amazing job in the draft in recent years and had an elite quarterback and found a way to bungle every playoff game. I mean, even we, we don't talk about that game against Tampa Bay, but they were in the driver's seat to beat Tampa Bay. And then they fumble it away with Jared Cook and then an interception. And then all of a sudden, you know, Tampa Bay's moving on. That they have found ways to just botch their playoff games and, and ruin the last shots that they had with Drew Brees. And now they're $70 million over the salary cap, according to over the cap. Those are the teams you wouldn't want to be. And probably, I mean, the Vikings, I think if this show is being done in another city, they say the Vikings because they don't have the second round pick and they're over the cap and they were seven and nine. And you're saying, what's the path to getting back to being a really, really good team. And it's a little bit hard to find. So they've probably fall in that category of teams that are in the worst spots rather than teams that are in the best though. Um, at I, least, they, at least they have a team name unlike Washington. Sure. So there is, yeah, that. no, I, I would also say before maybe this recent Russell Wilson rumor, you could probably say the bears, in terms of where yeah, they're going to be, yeah. 20th pick, they're in a, a quarterback purgatory. They have an aging roster that is kind of was built to win last year and the year before, and maybe this year, and not much further after that. They're going to lose Allen Robinson. Uh, all indications are he's he's probably gone the way they treated him in terms of offering them a contract extension. So yeah, I can't imagine sans Russell Wilson, you'd want to be the Bears. And I agree if Washington had any sort of established quarterback in place, that would be the clear answer with where they're at. Um, it, it's just what I was thinking when you were talking is it's such a bummer that Dwayne Haskins didn't work out because they, this team is built for if they had Dwayne Haskins and he was competent for this to be a good team. Like if 
they set up the perfect, we have a quarterback on a rookie contract. If he was anywhere good, they'd probably re-sign Brandon Scherf, Sheriff, Sheriff, whatever. Sheriff, 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 Say whatever you want. There are no rules on the show. So they'd have him. They could sign another wide receiver. Like, it, it, when you were talking, it just made me sad that they aren't, that they didn't have that quarterback who's just competent, like like Baker Mayfield or just someone who could just write the ship, just be there, mm-hmm. just doing doing what they need to do, that typical game manager, a lesser Kirk Cousins. Like, that would be – that's all they need. And so, yes, if they could find that, that'd be great. I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to find it. And that right there is sort of your cautionary tale with – and we talk about it all the time of, hey, if you can find the quarterback on a rookie contract, it's like having a golden ticket – However, if you draft Dwayne Haskins, it's like getting punched in the face 50 times because they have a good roster. And if Dwayne, I mean this, if Dwayne Haskins had been really good last year or even just an average quarterback, if he was Kirk Cousins for them last year, they're 11 and five, they're 12 and four in that division. They're running through everybody. And instead the guy is a joker and he's going out maskless to strip joints and stuff and getting released because of it. I mean, you just couldn't have it worse. It's an embarrassment to your franchise. It means you go seven and nine instead of going, um, you know, deep into the, maybe deep into the playoffs if he's really good. Right. And, and being in that perfect situation. And that is where I will say that anybody who is afraid of that situation, when we talk about moving on from Kirk Cousins, you're right. It's just that, you can't win big if you don't play sort of thing. Like you can't hit the lottery if you never buy a ticket. Uh, But unfortunately, sometimes you lose and waste your money. And that's exactly what happened with Dwayne Haskins. Um, Do you have one more? Are you, are you, was that? Uh, I I can, I can ask one more. I just, this, this is kind of a shift just based on what we were talking about. One thing that I've just kind of been noticing is through listening to your podcast and just kind of the general sentiment is there's kind of two options. It's, trade Kirk Cousins or extend Kirk Cousins. And that just kind of feels like the two obvious routes. And I get that you are either going to move on or you want to lessen that cap hit. So you can get some good players to continue to capitalize with him. But we were in this position last year and they decided to extend him. And midway through the season, we were like, like we were crying over the fact that they couldn't have just let him go this year. If they didn't sign that contract extension and kind of go all out. And it feels like, we're just dismissing maybe just letting him play on the contract. You mentioned it. It, it seems like that's kind of lost in people's minds. Of, and I understand why. If you're going to commit to him for these next two years, you're trying to get some cap space because this iteration of the team isn't going to do it. And if you don't change his cap hit, that's probably what you're going to get. But it, no one seems excited to sign up for five more years at Kirk Cousins. So if you're not going to trade him, why are we just not letting him play on his contract then next year a team could say, we only have a year of Kirk Cousins. It's kind of like the expiring contract in the NBA. Like, let's let's see what we have for a year. Then we can figure it out after that. I know the dead cap thing is just different in terms of you can't really transfer what happens in basketball to what happens in the or into the NFL. But it feels like we're just, like, skipping over the fact that he can't – like, we can't just let him play out his contract. Is, like, why, why, why do you feel like that's not – we're moving away from that? I think it's because of the $45 million cap hit. It's just so big. It's like, how do you work around that? How do you find a way 
to extend players, to sign free agents, to do anything. That has to be lowered somehow or the other. Now, maybe they can do the whole transfer this to that and lower the cap hit and kick it down the road and all those things, but it makes a lot of sense to me to say, look, make a decision on the guy. Extend him and lower that cap hit or trade him away and then move on, but There is a scenario where this could happen, I suppose, if Kirk Cousins told them straight out, and I wouldn't be shocked by this. I've said this before, but if I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm like, look, I'm playing out the contract that you signed me to. I'm not helping you. Like, you did this. You put it in front of me, and I signed it. And I I get questions every Friday mailbag of people like, can't Kirk Cousins just, like, give some of it back? Like, would you? I mean, if – he didn't write the contract himself. The team wrote it. So why should he do that? I mean, I – I would side with him on that. He didn't sign himself. He didn't write out the contract. They did it. They made that decision. Now you made your bed. Now you sleep in it. Now, of course, there are, um, you know, the other part of it of, well, don't you want to win? And you can help the team and you're already rich. I get all that. But um, I would understand a player saying, honor the contract that you wrote and you had me sign. And don't ask me to help you with the cap. That was your job. Um, so, but there is a, a world where he says that and they say, okay, let's just figure it out. We'll work around his cap hit. We'll do everything else we can. And in 2022, we'll just play it out and then we'll go from there. It's going to feel like 2017 in DC though. In 2017 in DC, he was clearly not coming back to Washington and there was just this sort of, we don't know where we're going as a franchise now because this guy wants to leave in free agency. They go seven and nine. They're not really competitive. They, you know, they actually were paying him a ton of money on the, on the cap hit on the franchise tag. So they couldn't really sign a lot of other players. It was a messy situation. And that's what you end up with. If you have a quarterback on an expiring contract, because both sides know this is over um, when you get to that point. And that's an uncomfortable place to be for everybody. So you don't necessarily want to be there. But is it a possibility? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it is a realistic possibility that he says, I'm not signing an extension here. And here's the other thing if you're Cousins, too. Let's say Cousins' goal in this world is to make as much money as he possibly can. He's hitting free agency then, right? I mean, he's not signing an extension that would be any sort of hometown discount. There, there's going to be 17 games. There's going to be a new TV contract. Like when all that stuff kicks in, the money is going to go through the roof. Kirk Cousins is going to be looking for $50 million a year in two years. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, you make a very fair point. If they went to him with an extension and he said, sorry, boys, somebody else will pay me even more once all that money comes in. And, you know, though at that point, I think you got to trade him. If he tells you, I'm not signing an extension with you to lower my cap hit, you probably do have to trade him or you're just going to be so screwed with the cap, you can't be good in 2022. So that, that's why I think I come to that fork in the road. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's it would be really uncomfortable and it would just be disadvantageous unless you thought we can absolutely win the Super Bowl with him on that cap hit, which is kind of hard to believe. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes, that makes sense. I guess – and maybe this is the cap implications because I know after what March nineteenth, then his next two years are guaranteed. Could they trade him like after this season, like, or is the money? Do you know if the money then stays on them? Because in my mind, it's like, okay, yes, we're not maybe getting the cap relief this year. You let him play it out. You let Zimmer and Spielman play it out without a long term contract that they can kind of cling to and say we're all in this together. You 
I guess you proverbially kick the can down the road a year, and that is probably not what fans want because it probably means another so-so season, and you don't want that going in. You want the potential of that 10-6, and 11-5, and 5, of something happening. But in my mind, it just seems like we're just accepting, okay, we're going we're gonna to just keep extending him, and this is just the way it's going to be. And the only other option is we need to trade him in the next two weeks. And it, it feels like there should be some middle ground. Yeah, no, they could trade him after uh, after this year. They could trade him before 2022, and I believe it's only $10 million on the cap hit if they do that. Um, that's why if the Vikings are there at 14 and Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones are there, you have to really think about it because the exact thing that happened with Alex Smith is that he was about to go into the last year of his deal when – when they picked, it was it was really the same situation. He had two years left when they picked Patrick Mahomes. He played out the second to last year. They traded him to Washington. Washington extended him, but he would have been under contract when they traded him, clearly, because you would need to be. So they could do exactly that. They could play out this year, see how it goes, and then they could attempt to offer him a contract extension. If he says no, then they can trade him. And that would be your reason to draft a quarterback this year is to have someone who could be his successor. Here's the other thing. Before we wrap up, I'll just say this, that look how many quarterbacks are available right now. How I mean, even Russell Wilson is available in some way. Deshaun Watson in some way available, or at least unhappy enough to be looking around. If you can build this team up, with Justin Jefferson, more offensive line help, another receiver, a little more on the defensive side, to after this year, they look like one of the most attractive destinations. Go 10-6. and six. You look like one of the most attractive destinations in the league for quarterback. They could do this. They could trade Cousins away, get a first-round pick back, and then sign somebody else or trade for somebody else, whoever's out there. Right now, we don't know. But we didn't know last year. We didn't know last year that Tom Brady would go to the Bucks. How did the Bucks get Tom Brady? Because they got the cool ship? No, they got him because they had a roster that was really attractive. He thought he could win with. You want to be that team. That's, I mean, it's even one of the reasons why Favre wanted to come here. I'm sure it was to stick it to the Packers, but it was also because the roster was really good. That's the best way to get somebody to come in. So if that, if that is the plan, it's probably the best plan. Draft a quarterback, maybe even trade up, but draft a quarterback, have somebody ready, play out this year, trade him away, hand it over to the other quarterback, or just play Russian roulette assuming that somebody will be open. I mean, if they – if let's say it was next year and it was Marcus Mariota. Like, would you feel terrible about that or, or, or like, massively different? If you look at Mariota's career, like, he's a 9-7 and seven type quarterback. Do you feel massively different? And then you could draft one. Probably not. So, man, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. But that's why I would not expect this decision with Cousins to be made soon. I would expect it to be made after after next year. Football. So much football. football. So much football. Um, Paul's great to catch up. It's great to catch up. If awesome. People, awesome. By the way, here. like you tweet about like the games you're covering for the Pioneer Press and things like that. So if people can figure out how to spell your last name. Mm-hmm. At Paul underscore Hodawanic, which is H O D O W A N I C, and mm-hmm. uh, so they can go find you there. You're covering stuff. You're doing I'm covering stuff. Thing. I'm tweeting about the Timberwolves, which I'm upset about. I'm tweeting about the Vikings. I'm tweeting about golf. If any of that interests you, come on over. Yeah, I'm just saying you're doing your thing out there, and I'm uh, and I'm proud because you're no longer intern. You're just Paul. 
So good for you. And, uh, hey, we'll do this again soon, man. Perfect.